Welcome to Service Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the on the ground experience that we're living and breathing with our service accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. Hello there. So welcome everybody who's listening to Service Accommodation Secrets, my podcast. It's brilliant and exciting to have Toby Dore with us today, part of the Hospitable Host Book Project, but also a host from Cajun Stays in Louisiana in the USA. So welcome, Toby. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Fabulous. Um, We're getting quite excited because this book's being launched, but We've got so many participants from all over the world. It's just brilliant to have you here. And for anyone who hasn't heard of you, would you be able to share a little bit about your background, um, perhaps how you got started in in short-term rentals? Well, um, I have been a university professor for 22 years. And I've always, um, even from the very beginning, in my first few years of teaching college, I always had some type of uh, side project. And one of them was um, booking bands and an entertainment production company, which eventually evolved into running two music clubs as well as a small kitchen. Um, And I was burnt out uh, because I was teaching five days a week, several classes. I was actually running an academic program in sports medicine. And so, and I wasn't really making a whole lot of money off of the music venue. Um, It was kind of a struggle. And so I decided to drop everything. And I was explaining to some, uh, one of the bands that I booked, um, how I wanted to take a road trip, rent a car, and just leave for eight weeks and drive to Canada and back. And uh, so this couple was from California. And at the time, virtually no one in Louisiana knew what Airbnb was. This was 2013. And so um, I remember them writing on a cocktail napkin, Marfa, Texas, and Airbnb. And they explained to me that Airbnb was a way that I could stay inside of people's houses with them in an extra bedroom, um, which is mostly what Airbnb was at the time. The, the landscape has changed quite a bit over, um, over the years. But Um, yeah, so at the time I was reading a book called the joy of less. It was just happened to, because I was cleaning out my house had a three bedroom house and it was just me. Um, and I had, uh, gone through roommates back and forth at the time, but at the time I was, uh, the house was empty and it was just me. So basically you clean everything out of your house, even the wall pictures off the walls, and then get rid of all the stuff that you don't use. It's a minimalist book. And it worked out perfectly um, because I actually became a host before I ever stayed in an Airbnb. And I did rent the car. I rented one of the, the room to a couple from New Orleans. And then my second guest rented my whole house for two months. And they were in town for doing a job. And it was two guys, uh, two guys from New Mexico. And I'll never forget that. I was like, wow, my trip is pretty much paid for and the house is cleaned out because I just finished reading the book. Uh, and I rented the car and took off. And um, 
you know, that's what's, like I said, I was a host, not like, not like most people. I think there were two other hosts in Lafayette, but California was really popular at the time. So that's why this, this, these two people in this band, they, they were much more familiar with Airbnb because they had started. Okay. In uh, so yeah, that's what started it. And, uh, and then um, as I was traveling around, uh, I was staying in Airbnbs across the country and uh, people were reviewing me as a guest. I didn't right. even know because I didn't, I was, I was just using my phone. Okay. <laughs> um, and they had the phone app was, uh, you know, it was, was, was working pretty well at the time, uh, you know, for such a new company and back in 2013 and so um i was constantly getting requests to, for people to stay in my spare bedroom right but oh. the whole house was booked and so <laughs> there was no multi-calendar at the time there was no way to block it but it was telling me i was like wow this thing is pretty popular yeah. even though no one in lafayette knows about it people all over the world already know about it and awesome. they yeah, so if anywhere you, you look. Yeah, so that's when, you know, I decided, you know, when I, I was going to, I'm going to return home and I'm going to um, uh, look into this more. And, uh, and boy, did I, I'd never imagined it would, it would evolve into managing 21 units. So. Amazing. So you started with your one house, you hosted before you even went on your trip. Um, yeah. Did you find it was really helpful staying in Airbnbs to get ideas of what you thought worked and what didn't as well? Absolutely. Um, I got a lot of ideas. It took a few weeks because I had friends to stay with on the first beginning of that first road trip. Um, but uh, I was in Big Bend, 105 degrees, Big Bend National Park, near Terling, near Terling, in Terlingua, Texas, but not far from Marfa. And then I was like, let me give this a shot. And I found a $25 a night dome shelter, concrete shelter in the Texas desert. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I booked it. And, uh, and wow, it was like, um, I, I remember sitting at the restaurant and the telling the waiter waitress, you know, Hey, I'm on a cross country road trip. Uh, and I'm staying in an Airbnb tonight, and it's it's off it's an off the grid shelter. And she said, uh, "I know where that is. That's a good 30, 45 minutes away. You better you better get going." And I was like, well, "What do you mean?" Of course, I never read the check in instructions or anything <laughs> like that. And so this was in a remote area where, like I said, off the grid in 2013, the phone didn't work correctly also there was a storm coming in oh no oh yeah so i i basically got lost i had to call um actually message my brother to get to log into my airbnb account because for some reason i couldn't log into the app oh, and he was explaining God. to me how to get to this shelter and it got dark and I got to this shelter. It was pitch dark. There's no lights around. And I'm trying to figure out how to get into this lock. There was a trick to getting the lock. And once I got in, it sounded like someone was beating on the roof all night long. And I mean, this is out in the middle, you know, where the desert, where I was like, it, right. it, I don't know if this is 
people or bears or neighbors or <laughs> wow, what's or it, you know, because the storm hadn't really started till I, I got to sleep. But once I woke up, I got through the night, I woke up and it was just the most gorgeous scenery. And I felt like I was in the Star Wars movie. Yeah. Delta was so, he modeled it that way. It and it's actually like been on, it. yeah, it's actually been on TV shows. It's like $150 a night now to stay oh, there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was. You were a pioneer, weren't you? I, I, I counted the other night. I was the sixth or the seventh review for him. And, and, and ironically, he was a traveling musician. So normally he's home, but I, I just quit my, quit my second business booking bands and he was traveling around playing music. And uh, yeah, so um, I had actually even heard of the guy. It was interesting once he started communicating with me. Uh, but yeah, he's got like 800 reviews now. And that I was his seventh review. So, oh, amazing. Yeah. So, so what did you say? Did you say it's a bit challenging to find and the internet's not great? You know, <laughs> he, uh, he had just put it together. Like I said, I think he was, I may have been his 10th or so guest if everybody had left him a review yeah it was my fault for I'm not kidding. reading I'm instructions <laughs> as we know like hosts like us you know we're like read the check-in instructions especially oh, back then because there were no videos to send or anything like that and so it was really you know kind of my fault it wasn't his fault that, that a storm came oh. in and he also said look you know it might get kind of warm it's up to you you know, I'm just letting you know before you confirm the booking, you know, I don't have air conditioning set up yet. And it's the middle. It was 105 degrees in Big Ben that afternoon. Oh, uh, it had gotten quite cooler in the evening, um, yeah. you know, but that that really wasn't the problem. It was it was, I remember it being a bit warm, but it was more the banging from the, the storm that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, waking up in the morning, like I said, it was just, it, it was, it was pure paradise. I was like, I'm going to come and stay here again. And, uh, and I immediately booked an Airbnb the very next night. And awesome. yeah, and I stayed in a teepee in, a, in the backyard of a host in downtown Portland, like literally right in the like, nice. 39th street in Portland uh, and I stayed in a motor home in these people's front yard, like a few, just a few minutes away from Mount Rushmore. And so, yeah, that was all just like, okay, I, I want to do this because I have a three bedroom house and, um, um, yeah. And, and I can host people and meet people from all over the world. Yeah. It's exciting. So that was a brilliant trip for you then. You were quite adventurous with your, your choices <laughs> of places. Well, I think that's great, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that was only the beginning because I really had only been to Mexico a couple of times. And so it really was the, the beginning of my, you know, world travel journey. So I've been to 53 countries now since then. And so during that next year was when I really started to look into Airbnbs in other countries and staying in hostels, uh, which is not a very popular thing here in the United States, especially not at that time. Okay. So, so yeah, it, it's, it really, you know, it really, Airbnb itself, just that company really changed my, my, the direction of my life in a lot of ways. Uh, that very first trip and that, that first night 
in that dome shelter, like, you know, it really sprung uh, something in my head, like, okay, I'm glad I'm leaving the music business behind. I had a great time. I saw, met a lot of cool musicians and saw some great bands and learned, uh, painfully learned how not to run a business. Um, and now, um, you know, it, it sparked the beginning of, a, of the Airbnb business. Brilliant. So what happened when you got back? Because you obviously traveled as well afterwards. Did you kind of start your business and travel at the same time or how did it work? So um, I had summers off at the time. So that was the key was that uh, at the time I was teaching face to face. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I teaching sports medicine was not a thing that you could really teach online. The classes I taught were very hands on. I taught a couple of lecture classes. But when I got back home, so we had three months off in the summer and one month off in the winter. And so from that point on, you know, the day after graduation, I would take off with a backpack and travel either overseas. I did do another cross country road trip uh, from Louisiana to um, New Brunswick, Canada, which is where my ancestors are from, oh. where, the, where the name Cajun comes from. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, Akadi. And so in Canada, so that was my second trip. And then my next trip was, well, I'm going to go to France because the people that, that were, uh, you know, my ancestors from Canada, you know, they first started out way back, you know, um, in France. So that was my first backpacking trip. But when I immediately got home from that first trip uh, was when I started to really think about, um, wow, there's all these people wanting to book the house. And uh, so I had an office and that I never used because I had an office at, it, at the university as well. Okay. So I sold the desk, took the computer out and I bought some bunk beds. And, uh, and then I turned the other, the other room was already a guest bedroom and people were, were just constantly sending me messages wanting to stay there and at one point I was hanging out with another friend of mine who taught English uh, at the university and I was like I don't need this house anymore if I could find a little apartment to rent then I could um, um, then I could just live there and I could make enough money and he and his girlfriend kind of just looked at each other and they were like we know exactly the place uh, our next door neighbor just packed up and moved to California and the landlord doesn't even know yet. Uh, wow. The next day I called the guy, signed the lease and moved into this little tiny 300 square foot studio apartment, um, bought a bunch of furniture. And, and so, yeah, and that was the, uh, eventually I was like, well, I'm going to start backpacking. And the summer came around. And so I put that apartment on Airbnb. Of course. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think the third one was my next door neighbor. He had uh, on in, in the original house, he lived across the street and he was like, you know, these people kept tearing out tear these people who signed six month and year leases. They tear my house up. They, uh, they take off and they sign a lease and then they don't pay rent and they just disappear. Oh, and then I got an empty house and he was like, I'm thinking about doing Airbnb. And I was like, well, uh, why don't I just manage it for you? I'll use my cleaning lady and I'll charge you 20%. Uh, 
Sounds and good. so that became um, three different business models as we know them today in Airbnb. But I think this was still like 2015. Yeah. And I was, I, I, you know, I didn't realize it, but I was doing owner management, you know, uh, arbitrage with one unit and doing uh, property management with the other. Awesome. So, yeah, you just hadn't defined the strategy. It's just whatever worked for you and for the property owners, isn't it? So that was really cool. I bet he was really thrilled. Yeah. You know. And he's still with me today. He's the only one that still gets uh, that percentage because I charge more. But uh, a client, but he, yeah, he's um, he, we still have the house. He has a, he had a mother in law apartment in the back, and about four or five years later, uh, he was doing long term there. But then he decided, look, this is doing so well. Um, he completely renovated the small apartment in the back, and. Uh, I started managing that one. And then over the years, I also had a storage shed. I converted that into a studio apartment. And then a few years later, I converted my attic into a third apartment. Oh, so we God. literally have um, one, two, three, five units on two properties right next to one another. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so we called it Cajun Hostel and Cajun Hostel 2. Okay. <laughs> Very yeah. descriptive that's fab and so were there many other people doing airbnb in your area at that time or not really um when i signed up as a host there were two uh, other people um that were hosting in town one was a small apartment and one was a room in in um this lady's house and I don't think that either, within maybe a year or so, I don't know that if they were hosting anymore, um, but, you know, it, it started to grow pretty fast. Um, um, you know, I know right now we have probably close to 400 or plus hosts um, and people sometimes are like, why Lafayette, especially locals, they don't know why people come here. <laughs> but when you travel around and I, I don't find that, people from here actually travel a lot. Um, they tend to stay here and maybe take trips to Florida and New Orleans. Um, I also have this, you know, I haven't proven this theory, but um, when you go to New Orleans, um, there's a definitely a tie between the hotel chains and the New Orleans Tourism Board and that type of thing. Right. When people started staying in Airbnbs with actual people from New Orleans and they're like, oh, well, we did a swamp tour and we ate Cajun food. And I, well, no, 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 no. You need to go to Lafayette at least for one night. That's where real Cajun is. And so, um, you know, New Orleans is not in Acadiana, the region we call Acadiana, which is where the word Cajun comes from. Okay. And, but there are a lot of, um, things to do in New Orleans that are, you know, to attract tourism that are Cajun, some maybe not as authentic as others. And so people, that's why people started coming to Lafayette. And so um, that, that really uh, caused, like as far as other cities much larger than Lafayette in, in Louisiana, you know, Airbnb started to grow really, really fast. Well, people love the genuine experience, don't they? So 
Yeah, and so they got it. There are certain foods you can't eat. You know, um, it, you know, there are certain things that they ways they make food like crawfish and gumbo and other things that is different from the way we do it. Um, and there's just certain types of foods you just cannot get. And then you have the Cajun music and the Cajun dancing. Most Americans think about Cajun as spicy food. So, so that's what it means. Cajun means spicy food. Right. It's actually a, an entire culture of music, food, language is a huge part of it. Uh, types of dances that go along with the music. And then there's Zotico music. And so um, it's one of the reasons why we're hosting one of the largest travel bloggers conferences in the world um, this coming October. It's going to be, um, yeah, TBEX. It's going to be in Lafayette. Um, right during the largest uh, Cajun music festival in the world, uh, which is Festival Zakarian. Wow. And oddly enough, the gentleman that uh, my first client that lives across the street, um, he's one of the three guys that runs the festival. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that goes really well with Airbnb, doesn't it? Because of all the visitors, they all need somewhere to stay. Yeah, so it was planned for um, right before the pandemic started. And I was working out a deal. We were in the last stages of working out a deal where all the all of my, our houses at the time, we had like 16 units We have 21 now. Um, and at the time we were working at a deal where, um, you know, all, all of our units would be occupied by speakers and, and our um, people. And then all of that abruptly uh, fell apart. Um, and so now we're replanning again for October of this year, but okay, yeah. So it was wiped out because of the pandemic. You just it was the pandemic. Yeah, it was crazy. Cause there's another, um, large travel bloggers conference. Um, it hasn't been as long running. It's only been running for about three or four years. And that one was set to be in new Orleans in the same oh. year. So the first year of the pandemic, we were supposed to have the two biggest travel bloggers conferences um, in Louisiana, one in here in Lafayette, where I'm sitting right now, and one two hours away in New Orleans. Uh, the other one was rescheduled. The other one, TravelCon, is rescheduled for April of next year. Okay, so it's a bit more spread out now. So thinking about the pandemic, how has it affected you in these couple of years? Because it's been a pretty wild time everywhere, hasn't it? Yeah, so a couple of things happened. Um, um, this is when, um, you know, I reconnected with Jasper Rivers. I, I was number 200 on his podcast way back in 2015-ish. Um, and I reconnected with him um, once all our reservations got canceled. And, and he was, he had put this group together uh, and, uh, Julie George was part of that group was who I, how I found out about this project uh, just just a week ago um, and so yeah so um, that was kind of all you know the magic of social media we kept in touch and um, um, one of the things we did was try to figure out what people around the world were doing who were managing 10 or 12 or more units um you know and uh and we got some really good ideas and one of them was we we hired an attorney to write a 30 day and more lease and so we started renting to people with uh um 30 days or more 
um, furnished apartment. We still paid for all the utility bills. Everything stayed yeah. back. We just did it off, off, off of the booking channels. And yeah. anything under 30 days, we would tell them to book, continue to book through Airbnb. And almost within the first month, three of our units got booked um, by people looking for places, furnished units. Uh, We used a site called Zillow. It's a real estate site. Um, And that was at the advice, bits of advice we got from joining this group with Jasper and Julie. Um, So that helped. And... um, the pandemic, we didn't know if it was going to last three months, six months, what? And I think it dragged on a lot further than most people anticipated. But there were two occasions where um, we had hurricanes hit um, one hour away from Lafayette, where we were not directly affected. But literally, the towns were lost water for a month, month and a half. Oh, wow. So there were two occasions where every bed that we have was booked for sometimes one to two months. Wow. Over the, this was during the, the course of the pandemic. Hmm. Um, and so at, at one of those times, I was actually in, in Serbia. <laughs> of course <laughs> it was like i was part of these travel bloggers groups and there and we were like on these threads and they're like where can we go and they're like mexico and serbia and i was like well i've been to mexico like 50 times now so i'm going to serbia okay. and i know someone there and so i just i never forget this i my manager so um i still have a backpack in the room and as soon as, like, if even if I traveled to New Orleans a few hours away, if I unblock this apartment within a few hours, it's going to get booked. Right. Before I get to New Orleans, before I drive and get there. <laughs> and then I come back and, you know, unload again. And I have a storage unit. But I've been doing that since 2013. You know, I've started with so when I, yeah. And, yeah. And I move around from house to house. Love so, that. um, so when I was in Serbia, I'll never forget this. My manager said, well, first of all, you don't have a place to stay. So you can go and stay at your parents' house because every hotel and every Airbnb is booked in town. Wow. And he, she was like, also, we got a lot of money because <laughs> everything <laughs> we didn't have chance to give discounts or do anything like that for evacuees or everything was just already booked. And right. a lot of it just kept kind of um, overflowing because these companies that were doing roofing and construction and uh, insurance adjusters, it, yeah. it, just, it just kept going and going. So long story short, the pandemic was not, other than the first few months, the pandemic was not really, um, didn't really affect us as much as I, uh, I thought it was going to. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you made some really good connections as well. And, I don't know, I think the great thing about flexible accommodation, like short-term rentals are so flexible, it can help people in all sorts of situations. So it can be something really great, like, you know, they might be visiting the area, traveling, weddings and all that kind of thing. But yeah, disasters, it helps a lot. We found that. So from having a really busy calendar with loads of separate bookings, you just have like five months stays and things. So I think it really came into its own in the in the lockdown, didn't it, actually? Yeah. so. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah, we had the lockdown. People needed to um, 
uh, isolate with COVID and um, like I said, the, the people, the refugees from the hurricane who lost their, either lost their homes or, uh, or lost electricity and water. Yeah. Uh, and then the workers, there weren't enough hotels here in the area. So these workers and these insurance adjusters and these construction workers were having, instead of having to drive hours every day to go back and forth to work, you know, um, they were, because of Airbnb, they were able to stay closer to their job sites. Yeah. Um, yeah. So family members coming in and to visit. So yeah, you could just go on and on about the benefits um, yeah. of, uh, of, of having um, other places to stay. Here, what's unique in Lafayette and what's unique about my company is all of my units are within a mile, mile and a half of three, four kilometers of the center of the city. Oh. And then, so where all the music venues and the restaurants that um, the locally owned restaurants and events, uh, um, especially uh, festivals and things like that, everything happens near the downtown area and my places are there but we don't we have one hotel in downtown um i think that's going to change in the next year or so but we have one small boutique hotel okay and so that's another reason why um uh, you know i haven't really had to market um do any type of property marketing everybody's come to me um, Brilliant. yeah oh yeah i have never uh, we talked about building a website, but honestly, I don't. We haven't got around to no, it. it, it uh, that was part of our accelerator program uh, was to, you know, the very end was to how to market to add more places that I'm like, I don't know that I really want to add more with my full-time job. Um, I'm busy enough and I still want to travel. That's why I got into this. I never planned to get 50, 100 units, but um, it's still, it's it's word of mouth. People just say, you know, hey, come and take a look at my place and so, you think it would do well on Airbnb and it kind of just goes into... Goes that way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it depends if it works for you and it sounds like they're ideally located, doesn't it? So that that's huge, so... Yeah, it's weird how it all ended up because I have five different clients and they have, some of them have multiple houses and they literally circle the downtown area. So like you could Fantastic. just circle. And we do... Um, we do manage one large five bedroom home, um, right, which is, you know, about a 15 minute drive from here. Um, and that's the only one. And it's, it's one of our newest listings. Um, and it's a family member and uh, it does quite well, even out there. Um, but uh, but the rest of the, the other 20 units are all within walking distance of the downtown area. Yeah, that's really handy for people, isn't it? People love that. Well, I would love it, traveling, so it makes a lot of sense. So you're obviously really into travel. So tell us a bit more about your travel blog, will you? Um, so um, I don't recall exactly. I guess it was probably seven, six, seven years ago when uh, one of my closest friends, a graphic designer and web developer, so he put together a website for me. And, I, and I, I was following these people that um, make a very good living off of traveling and writing stories and taking photographs about it, uh, travel blogging. And I was using a lot of their advice um, um, as far as where to go, what to do when you're traveling to certain cities. Um, one example is um, 
I would, I guess I would consider, he's probably considered the, one of the top travel bloggers in the world, maybe the top travel blogger is Nomadic Matt. And um, so I kind of modeled the site a little bit after his and it never really took off because the Airbnb business was growing so much. And I was like, well, so I'm teaching college and um, got out of the music business and now the Airbnb business, I'm having to manage it. Um, and then now this is starting a third business. And so um, I, I haven't done a whole lot of posting and writing. Definitely haven't done it in a while, but you know, Instagram came along and um, I started noticing people, um, a lot of the travelers were mainly into photography, which was something I was kind of interested in. Um, and so I started moving into basically just promoting Instagram. It's still connected to my website. Oh. Uh, it's called the Cajun traveler.com. Uh, of course. Uh, and, yeah. uh, um, and it, it definitely has probably helped with, it's hard to figure out directly how much it's influenced the marketing of my Airbnb business, um, mm -hmm. Cajun Hostel, or, which is now Cajun Stays, uh, the t-shirt. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, I'm sure I've gotten a lot of uh, uh, reservations that I wouldn't have gotten just um, from posting on social media and having the travel blog. Um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I attended four of these travel bloggers conferences and um, it was just really um, an exciting time where my plans were really to jump into the travel blog uh, before we had this pandemic, especially with uh, hosting the next two conferences in one year in, in our homes, in my home state. Um, but two things happened. They both got canceled or postponed. And then all of our reservations got canceled. And so I, I, I had the business kind of uh, working on auto uh, for, for, for the most part. And so I had to jump back into the business, figure out how to save it. And in these two conferences, um, but it didn't stop me from traveling. I honestly, um, two months before the pandemic, um, I was called into my boss's office and was asked if I wanted to completely switch subjects, oh. uh, go from teaching sports medicine to sports psychology, and that the sports psychology classes would be all online. All right. So two months before the pandemic, I became a 100% online teacher. Is that good? Were you pleased? Uh, it was a it was a choice. I mean, I, I've been a tenured professor for, you know, at 10 years at the time. So it wasn't like, hey, you've got to do this. It was more like, do you, you know, is this something you'd be interested in? And I was like, let me think about it for a day. And the next morning I went and I was like, done. Because during the pandemic, going from teaching, you know, face to face to 100% online, I had been reading books about how to become a digital nomad. And my thoughts were always, uh, I never wanted to teach 100% online. I love teaching in class, yeah. but I had always envisioned retiring and making money off the Airbnb business and the travel blog. That was my way of becoming a digital yeah. nomad. And that really uh, changed when I went to teaching online. And I've traveled to more countries during the pandemic, uh, when it started up until now, than I have 
since I started traveling to Europe. <laughs> I love that. Nice and contrary. So, and, but it was a good time, wasn't it? To go I online. Mean, so in places I would not have, you know, Macedonia and Georgia, the country and Serbia and Albania and places like um, this that I probably would never have thought of traveling to. It was always kind of my niche to go to uh, budget-friendly countries, so that worked out well. Um, and, um, you know, my inspiration for the beginning of traveling, you know, on that very first road trip where I stayed in the dome shelter, I was reading a book called Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. Okay. Um, which today is, uh, you know, it's still my inspiration for um, traveling. And uh, I actually got to hang out with him and meet him at one of the travel bloggers conferences. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I had already signed up for this conference. And, uh, and, and then they announced he was speaking at the conference a few weeks later. So I went and bought a new copy of the book. And I was like, <laughs> at least I, I'm going to get him to sign it. You know, hey, you know, big fan. But I actually got to sit and hang out with him for hours and talk oh, to him. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, because he lived in New Orleans for a while. And so we traded stories about, you know, all these places because he, he's that's that's his whole theme is traveling to places where even backpackers don't normally go. Oh, yeah, I love that. So, oh, wow. So, so yeah, I got really to inspired. hang out with him for a while. And that was, you know, really exciting to be a part of this Travel Bloggers Conference. And uh you know, not go to my 30th um, sports medicine conference. It was getting <laughs> old and like, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm excited because I'm going to one um, next week. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then of course they're having a second one in October here in Lafayette. Oh, well, that's going to be stormy, isn't it? It's going to be yeah. great. And, and I then, love that yeah. you're surrounded by all these people who inspire you. So let's ask you a little bit about the book. Uh, hospitable host and how you got involved so you mentioned it was Julie George who mm -hmm. kind of thought it would be a good plan so tell us the story of how that happened please um it, that evolved from way back so I think I mentioned earlier that um you know I was at a conference and they introduced this guy as an Airbnb guru and I didn't know that that was a thing uh, <laughs> in 2015 and when he got off the stage, I went straight up to him and I was like, um, yeah, I, I've been in Airbnb for a couple of years. And his first question was, how many reviews do you have? Because, you know, today it's how many units do you manage or how many listings mm. do you have? Back then it was how many? And I was like, about 1,700. And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've never met anybody. He's like, I've got a podcast where I just interview Airbnb hosts. I've never met anybody with 1700 reviews. And that was Jasper Rivers. And Brilliant. so we exchanged phone numbers. And a month later, I was number 200 on his podcast. And then, um, uh, and I just kept in touch with him. Not really a whole lot, just Facebook uh, every now and then message him. But, it, but then when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, I really started to get more involved in all of these groups. That uh, there's so many of them out there, uh, Airbnb host groups, and that's when I got reconnected with Jasper, and then that evolved in us joining a Legends X Accelerator program, uh, and we did that over the summer, 
which was a three months intensive program. Um, and, um, you know, again, uh, I wasn't really looking to, uh, to really explode the company into 50, 100 units, but more just to improve the quality of the units that we had. So yeah. that was a function. And that was a big part of the program. Um, and so, uh, and then of course they separated us up into groups and Julie, um, I was actually in more, one of a more advanced group. They kind of split them up into intermediate beginner advanced. Right. And so I had been a hosting for 10 years already. So, um, <laughs> so I was further along. And so that, uh, program ended, I guess, around in August. And then just a few weeks ago, um, well, what they did was after the Legends X program was over, they started a new group called the Rising Stars. And um, these were weekly meetup groups. Um, and I continued to stay involved with that. Um, and I've continued to travel as much as possible. But um, um, my favorite author, um, he's got a he started this book writing course and I'm a, I'm a part of his uh, uh, email list and he's a 10 time New York times bestselling author. Every book he's written has gone. To, and so, um, but the, the, the negative side of that was it's, it was a $25,000 course right over the course of a year. Okay. And so like, yeah. And so I, I kind of messaged Julie about it. I was like, I look, I, I don't know if I'm going to do the accelerator program anymore. The, the rising stars, because I'm kind of like, um, trying to save money. Cause I just signed up for a $25,000 <laughs> book writing course. And it wasn't going to be really about Airbnb. I don't know what it was going to be about. Okay. And it has a 30 day money back guarantee. But anyway, Julie was like, forget about that, do this, Send <laughs> me the link. And she was like, the only thing is you got five days to write a chapter for a hospitable hosts. And I'm like, it was, it was literally like 24 hours where I was so stressed out about uh, the fact that I knew I could get out of the other project, but at the same time, um, you know, I was like really stressed out about my decision and and then it was kind of just if this kind of this thing fell into my lap which really fit a lot more in line with what i'm trying to do right now uh mm -hmm. writing a chapter instead of a whole book mm -hmm. and uh so i was able to get out of the other course and get my money back and then um and then i just you know like i said i had four days to write a chapter for, for, Amazing. for this book and so the timing of it was impeccable and so That's and i'm really excited about it and I, I really like the aspect of um, um, how there's so much emphasis in, in going into marketing and promotion and social media, which falls it along right along the same lines as, you know, what I'm doing with my travel blog and my photography. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. That's really cool, isn't it? I mean, things like Instagram are fantastic, aren't they? They're so visual compared to some platforms and it's just so enticing for, for travelers and everything, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like the universe really aligned for you to have all that fall into place. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said, the book writing project um, was was I have a list of epic goals, I call them. And I have uh, I had 15. I knocked out the first one. So but the book writing was number 14, writing a book. And um, 
I've had a lot of my followers message me, direct message me or post things like, you know, you need to use this photograph for when you write your first book. Uh, people in passing, you know, when's, the, when's your book coming out, joking around. And so this has happened over the past four or five years. And it's mainly because I don't write in my blog because I wow. don't have time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it's very time consuming and to, to write a travel blog. And I have two other jobs to worry about. But, oh. but, uh, but you know, um, I feel like there's, um, you know, that was not something at the same time I was worried that this guy would never do this project again right and so it was like am I missing this opportunity um um but yeah it, it the timing was was really really good for me to find out about this project and it it you know it didn't take me long to write the chapter because um, I do feel like I could write a whole book just about the Airbnb. I think you could. I mean, yeah. it's fantastic talking uh, with you. We, I mean, uh, you know, there was there. I wrote a story about, um, you know, a friend of mine is an attorney, and he he'd been an attorney at the time for eight years, and I, I'll never forget this quote. To we're just sitting together, and he was like, "I've been an attorney for eight years. I've never been to court yet, and you've already won a court case." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, I got into a situation where the the local tax office sued me for for air for sales and hotel taxes, and it was really just an exploratory way of them trying to figure out how to collect Airbnb taxes, and right. and they sued me and no one else in town. There's 300 hosts. And I, and I was, and so I, you know, the, the, the attorneys in town were like, you're going to pay more for an attorney's fees than the actual lawsuit is worth. Right. Um, but they had actually put a lien on my house and they were serious about oh, wow. it. Wow. Yeah. And so it was a long two year battle back and forth. And eventually I went to a court without an attorney because <laughs> I didn't want to pay for one. And what and, happened? Um, you know, I won the case um, and, uh, you know, like it was funny walking out of the courtroom because all these people are waiting to go up in front of the judge and they're like, that guy just won without a lawyer. <laughs> and they were like, fist bumping me. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, it was pretty interesting as a sports medicine professor. Like, uh, you know, I've taken some sports law classes, but you know, the whole point of it was really just to, you know, they were, they really bullied me into like trying as a way to figure out how to collect the taxes for information. Right. And, um, and you know, and they were also trying to figure out how to uh, find all the people in doing Airbnb in town and, and what was the fast track and the fast track they decided was to sue me for you. For, for it was for sales tax and hotel taxes right the problem with the lawsuit was that we, i never collected sales tax and hotel tax. <laughs> oh, i never collected any of the money airbnb collected all the money that's true yeah yeah and so that was where the you know the simple part of it was that I tried to simplify it was really confusing for the judge but which he, he kind of really just threw it out but it was really just you know, I try to make it very simple um, and say, look, 
where what name another business where one company collects the money and another company collects the taxes it doesn't happen it's airbnb is responsible and and they had been doing it all over the world already yeah, yeah, yeah. collecting it because that's the way it's supposed to be yeah but, but the, the other part of it was why are you just suing me and they're mm. like well you had you have a podcast and t-shirts they've heard of you uh, a facebook page <laughs> So they were, they were like, it's just like if you were holding up a sign on the street corner, you know, saying I'm selling drugs. And the, uh, the problem I had with that was, but yeah, but being an Airbnb host is not illegal. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> standing on a, selling drugs is illegal. This it's is not, not a good thing. Yeah. It's not illegal. Yeah, and, uh, it, it was a confusing case. And, um, and so it, it, you know, to, to do it all over again, I really thought about dropping the whole thing. It was really that frustrating. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the other positive side of it is I really feel like it saved Airbnb from a lot of other trouble, local hosts, sure. not for That's me. Precedent. Yeah. Well, just recently this past year, uh, there's a group that got together and they want it shut down completely. Airbnb. Okay. Uh, the pandemic has created a lot of um, not so desirable Airbnb guests. We don't have our normal tourists. And so there is a lot of things that are going on in these Airbnbs that, and basically these people who, um, and I think Airbnb probably got a lot less strict on it, mm -hmm. on, on really screening the, the types of guests that come in. So that resulted in local groups wanting to shut down Airbnb and Hair Lafayette. Okay. Their biggest uphill battle is the fact that we're now collecting all this tax money. Yeah. And so when those decisions come down, you know, the, the truth of it is, the reality of it is they are looking at, look at all these hosts. Like as a result of my case, literally the city started collecting thousands of dollars every day in hotel and sales tax, right? And it's been going on for three years now since the since the lawsuit, and you know, eventually they they worked out a deal with Airbnb, which is what they should have done from the beginning. They should have instead of going through you. Yeah. But all power yeah. to you. Literally, when I found out, I was like, "So there's no more lawsuit, right?" And they're like, "Oh no, we're still suing you," you know. And it was like, um, and so, and I had never been sued before. I never had to use an attorney for anything before. So, um, mm -hmm. but, but now these people are fighting an uphill battle to try to shut down Airbnb in our city because there's so much tax money coming in. And I, okay. I, I just, I just don't think that, you know, a lot of the hosts are like, are you scared to add more properties? And I'm like, no, that, you know, this is all a result of, again, whenever, this lawsuit a few years back when, when, yeah. when they decided to try to figure out how to collect the taxes. So all of this tax money um, is too valuable for them to, to yeah. just put away because of a few small inc incidents. Yes. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, we um, do sort of guest due diligence and um, guest registration and all of that. And most people are lovely, aren't they? But I guess you're going to have things like that happening. And that in the UK, it's not regulated, but I think it will be, you know, coming in. But I mean, from the point of view of you and your business, you, I'm glad it's not 
made you feel like you wanted to stop doing it or not expand but do you have any advice or anyone who's looking to maybe start out with Airbnb or short-term rentals booking direct or anything like that what would um, you I, I think that um you know even right off the bat I would well first first thing is where the laws are different you know everywhere yeah. you know and it's it's unique to the United States where in one state or even one parish or county we have parishes not counties in only so. state and and so even in your county um you might have different laws and so spe- specifically with short-term rental so the first thing you need to do is get familiar with what the laws are um you know and um that would be my first piece of advice and then um you know, um, this is the struggle. The big step is, you know, with a lot of hosts, if if you're starting out or you already have two or three properties and you want to gain more, uh, the virtual assistant thing has really um, changed the way. And I've been, you know, my, my, my first guy, I have four now, but my first guy has been with me for six years. And Alex is like, he, you know, um, I don't know what I'd do without him, but, you know, he, he knows the business inside out. So if you're thinking about starting to grow, my next biggest piece of advice was to, would be to start looking uh, for a virtual assistant to take care of your reservations or even just someone else, uh, even if it's a, a high school student or somebody that you can affordably pay to handle your reservations for you. Yeah. But the but the virtual assistant makes so much more sense because a lot of the guys you can find people with already with experience yeah. that are familiar with the platform. Um, but you know the direct booking thing, um, we did it, we set it up. But the popularity of Airbnb, the reason why we're doing record numbers before we even got out of the pandemic was be- simply because of the popularity of airbnb has grown in my opinion just in the last few years uh, even through the pandemic and that's why we're getting those numbers and so um i i don't know if my advice would be to start doing direct booking or looking at these other sites airbnb is still the elephant in the room and (laughs) you know if you can deal with their um you know guest communication it's a gigantic company and and you know um and you have somebody to deal with those issues for you too, especially um, it's, it's worth the effort to find a virtual assistant to handle those types of things for you if you're going to try to scale. Yeah, I totally agree with that because you need to be able to manage the bookings really effectively for people, don't you, and make sure your guests are all okay. So yeah, we have virtual assistants as well. So that's great advice there. Um, and really... I could talk to you for hours, honestly. It's so interesting. Like you're thinking, you're talking about decluttering and the joy of less. I'll have to talk to you about that another time. But thank you so much. What are your parting thoughts about our collaboration on the um, Hospitable Host book? What would you think? What do you maybe hope would come from it? Um, You know, there's a couple of guys that were in my, even in my pod group during the accelerator program. And, you know, and then I've gotten to, you know, over the past year or so to, to, to know these people. It was exciting to see some people that I knew that were 
be, that were involved in the project. I know their stories. They know my story. And then there's this huge group, a much bigger group of people that I've never met yet. And they've got all their own unique stories. And so um, I think the ability for these people, um, uh, you know, I was on a call last night with the, you know, the person in charge of the marketing aspect. Um, I think the potential is um, limitless. And I, you know, it's definitely the fastest, one of the fastest growing industries in the world right now. Um, and a lot of people have managed to, you know, we are in hospitality and tourism, which was not the greatest thing um, for going through a two-year pandemic. And so <laughs> I think all of this stuff coming to head right now, it just, it, you know, the timing is perfect. Uh, and for me personally, as I mentioned, with my um, involvement in the travel blogging groups and just connect be, me tr trying to connect those two together, it's really going to be my mission really for the next year is to, uh, to try to um, integrate that those groups of people with the Airbnb groups and the hosts and everything that's going on. It's, we're all part of the travel industry. We're all part of the hospitality industry. And so that's why it's particularly exciting for me uh, to be involved in this group and at this particular time. Awesome. Oh, it is just such an exciting time. It really is. And all the other things you do, like your blog and everything, it all ties in so well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing some of your stories. And uh, I think mean, I feel like it's a tiny snippet, but it's so brilliant yeah. to chat with well, you. I can always come back on. <laughs> I think you might have Take to. Time around. Yeah. Oh, but thank you. And thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast. And I'm sure you'll have enjoyed Toby. And uh, we'll have to welcome him again, I think, won't we? And thank you again for coming on. Okay. Look forward Thanks to the for launch. <laughs> Maybe I'll see you in the UK. You're coming. You know, that's very interesting because most people are amazed. Oh, the 50 countries that I've been to, uh, I, that's one place where I have not been. <laughs> I know. I, I have like four countries in Europe, and all of Europe, that I have not been to. And so, um, yeah, that's on the short, short, short list. Um, I'm headed to Japan in, um, in a few weeks oh, wow. and going to meet my Philip, my uh, virtual assistants in person in the Philippines. Fantastic. So that's my plan this summer. Uh, maybe on the way back. Uh, yeah, that's okay. a good, that's a good possibility uh, is stopping in because I haven't bought my flight home yet. I, no I normally don't buy a flight home. And so that's a good possibility is to stop in in the UK on the way back. Oh, that sounds like a really good plan. Brilliant. Thanks so much again, Toby. You take care. All right, thanks. Sharing the secrets of success.